Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The films are called Secrets of the Whales, and they offer an insight into the largest mammals on the planet. It reveals their complex societies, and it also gives us a deeper understanding of the cultural elements, whale identity, as well as the unique dialects, as, as well as the patriarchal societies to organize their social customs like singing and, and other forms of communication. This is the National Geographic program uh, put together by... James Cameron, who's the executive producer, as well as the producer, and in some ways our guide in this uh, these series of films on whales, and that would be Brian Scarry. The, the films are, again, called Secrets of the Whales, and it will be premiering on Earth Day, April 22nd, coming right up. So check these out. They're wonderful, absolutely incredibly detailed and in-depth look at these four different species of whales, and we're joined today, as I said, by their producer, Brian Scary. Brian, welcome to Film School Radio. Thanks so much, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. I just want to uh, mention one quick thing. So it is produced by National Geographic, but it, it's only going to be available on Disney Plus. So uh, it will be streaming on Earth Day on Disney Plus, but produced by Geographic. That's right. Where did you come into this project, Brian? How did this come about? Well, it's a great question, Mike. You know, um, my last big project about whales for National Geographic was in 2008. I did a, a story about the most endangered species of whale in the world, the, the North Atlantic right whale, and compared and contrasted them with their southern cousins. And in the more than decade that evolved since then, I was trying to find a narrative that would allow me to do a multi-species whale project. I love whales. I love being in the water with them. I did a cover story on dolphins, which are just small whales, in 2015. Over that time, I sort of found the narrative, and it was culture, that some of the latest and greatest science that was being published about whales was showing that, like humans, within a genetically identical species, they are doing things differently. They have ancestral traditions that they pass down. They also have, you know, emotion, personalities, and all these sort of human-like traits, if, if we want to use that, that analogy. But for me, it was about bringing uh, audiences into the world of these whales, but seeing it through that lens of culture, which I think is a bit of a game changer. So it started as a, a National Geographic magazine story that I proposed. Then I went to the society to, to request funding for a three-year project, a fellowship, which was, was approved. Then I went to the Nat Geo channel and pitched the idea of this uh, series. Uh, which was approved, and and then a book. So it, it sort of organically grew in all these different medium platforms. It looks like it was a an immense undertaking. You travel literally travel the globe yeah. uh, to the areas of the world where we see them in the Arctic. We see them. I mean, all over the world. I, I won't go through all of the places <laughs> that we yeah. we find them. How long did this take? You're right. It was a very ambitious undertaking. It was three years from soup to nuts, not counting the maybe a couple of years of research before that, but three years in the field, uh, 24 locations, as you pointed out, essentially from the equator to the poles, uh, five different species of whales. And um, in the end, it, um, we, we achieved all that we hoped and actually much more. I'll run through the the species that we're, we're we mm. showcase and highlight in the film: the orcas, the belugas, the sperm whales, and and the humpback. 
and not an yeah, 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 right. And the narwhal, and the narwhal, of course, yes. And yeah. and and in the course of these four different films about these different species, we discover some amazing things about them. And I think for a lot of people, this will be the first time, or they even understand how much communication goes on between, yeah, between whales. That's, I think for a lot of people, just that's, uh, you know, not a lot of, maybe they don't know that yet, no. but it's so much more than that. In, in terms of putting these films together, did you have kind of a baseline of the kind of things that you wanted to convey to people? And then along the way, we find out some amazing things beyond that, right? Yes, that that's a perfect analysis. Um, that's exactly what happened. So in the course of the research, you know, I'm, I'm talking to scientists who've dedicated their lives to revealing these mysteries, these secrets of the whales, if you will. And, um, you know, I've often described what I do as sort of parachuting into the lives of these scientists and trying to give visual context to their, their stories. Uh, and, and that's what we did here. So over the course of the research, I began to you know, put together the the, the shot list. I, I knew that these were the species that I wanted to work with. Uh, these were the sort of things that we could show if we could capture visually that would speak to the notion of culture. And of course, it's it's not an expectation, it's a hope because you just never know what you're gonna get. But yeah, in almost every location, we were able to achieve what we hoped and ended up seeing things in many cases that we couldn't have predicted that were just so much more. I don't, I, I hesitate to talk in too much detail about it because I want people to discover this for themselves in the film. But there are a couple of things that are hard not to talk about. And one of them for me was the interspecies acceptance. And, and I, I think you know what I'm talking about, yeah. the beluga the Beluga Society and and the Norwal that yeah. that's an amazing. There's so, on so many levels that's amazing, right? Yeah. Do you want to talk about that in any detail? Uh, yeah, absolutely agreed. I mean, you know, here we have two completely different species. They're both polar species. They live in the Arctic. Um, they have some similarities in terms of their morphology and their biology, but at the end of the day, they are uh, completely different species. And yet we see this, this wayward <laughs> narwhal, for whatever reason, has journeyed quite a bit further south than it normally is found. In, and this population of beluga whales has taken it into the fold. They've taken it into the family. It is one of the, one of the clan, one of the group. I, I've never quite seen that, at least in my work in the, in the natural history world, where you've got this, as you say, interspecies sort of adoption or, or acceptance. Um, there's certainly meetings in the ocean I've seen. I've seen animals in the same space. Occasionally, you know, different species of dolphins will, will be in the same place, but I've never quite seen, you know, a family of one species um, adopting and living with this other species, which, you know, stands out. I mean, the narwhal is this unicorn of the sea. It's got this giant tusk and is sort of this mottled, you know, grayish black and white color. And you've got these white beluga whales and yet they're, they're all buddies and it's just fantastic. Yeah. Well, and one thing about the story is it, it lasts for longer than it, you, then you can explain in any other way except to think that they've been that he's been accepted. He the Norwal has been accepted into their pod, 
right? Exactly. No, I think that's exactly what we conclude from seeing that. This is not random. It's right. not a moment in time. It's not a coincidence. Oh, look, I, I got a picture of two whales in the same frame. No, no, no. This this has been going on. It's been going on for a long time. So uh, there's there's no other explanation. Yeah, and there's so many things in these four different uh, films that you will be able to watch on Disney Plus streaming service. And it is, uh, again, there's so many different things in over the course of these four films. And there are so many sort of happy accidents, ha happy, uh, you know, sort of coincidences that happen also. It's also the science here. Yeah. And talk about just in terms of what sort of resources you brought to bear in terms of your own experience, but the team of people that you brought to bear in terms of this project. Sure. Yeah, I think you make a, a really great point, uh, Mike, in the sense that although we're talking about something that seems um, a little bit more almost mystical in some ways, we could we could easily extrapolate and say, well, you know, come on, are you just anthropomorphizing? Are you just saying that they do things like humans? But this series was rooted, it was, its foundation was based in science. Um, from the very beginning, I was talking to a number of scientists, but the one who was most helpful to me and has become a, a great friend is Dr. Shane Garrow. He's from Ottawa, Canada. And for the last 15 years, he's been studying sperm whale families in the waters off of Dominica in the Eastern Caribbean. And one of the things he explained to me from the very beginning was the difference between behavior and culture. And he said, you know, Brian, behavior is what we do. Culture is how we do it. So most humans, for example, eat food with utensils. That is behavior. Whether you use chopsticks or knives and forks is culture. So what they were looking at scientifically was that within a genetically identical species, whales were doing things different in different parts of the world. So you've got orca in New Zealand who have a preference for ethnic food. They like stingrays and they have figured out how to catch and eat stingrays and no other orca are doing it quite that way. The orca that live in the, or go to the Norwegian Arctic, they like fish, they like herring and they figured out a strategy to feed on herring. And the ones in the Falkland Islands like elephant seal pups, so they figured out how to do that there. That is their culture. They pass that on to their, their young. So they're not only teaching their young the skills they need to survive like humans. They are not born with innate traits just as humans aren't. We have to learn from our parents. However, like humans, they're also teaching them the things that are important to them, their cultures, their ancestral traditions, these ethnic foods, if you will. They, they have parenting techniques, sperm whale societies, you know, in the families uh, when a mom has a, a calf and then the mom has to go hundreds of meters deep to feed on squid. In some families, they assign a dedicated babysitter who will watch the calf and others, they take turns. But, but that's on a micro level at the family level, just like, you know, what you do at a holiday might be different than what my family does at a holiday. But yet culturally, we might eat with uh, knives and forks and, and as opposed to chopsticks. So again, there's, there's sort of this broader culture uh, within these societies. And then there's the, the family level, but it's all very rich. And then beyond that, we have personality. We show grief and joy and gameplay and singing competitions and all of these things that they do. So yeah, it's, a, it's, it's founded in science, but is, is showing us a very different view. We're speaking with Brian Scarry. He is the uh, 
producer and as well as a National Geographic photographer and explorer. He's an award-winning, oh my God, you've won 11, according to this, 11 winner of the prestigious Wildlife Photographer of the Year. Too many awards to mention. I'm not going to try and humanize whales, right. but I'm going to say that they are sentient beings. Yeah, They have a cognitive ability to understand not only their own circumstances, but it seems the world around them and an adaptability. There's too many things that they're able to do to not be able to classify them as sentient beings. That's right. And I, I, and so, and one of the things that I was struck by watching the film in just how important moms are in the pod, in the community. Uh, I want to talk about this sort of this pervasive influence that moms seem to have, yeah. the female does in, in, the, in the whale culture. That's absolutely right. You know, many of these whale societies, these whale families are indeed matrilineal. They, they are led by the older, wiser, stronger females of the group that make all the decisions. So the sperm whales uh, do this, the orcas do this, and it is generational learning. You know, so within a whale family, like a sperm whale family, for example, um, obviously you, you want to have males and females, but the female calves ultimately become the most important. They are the future for those societies and, and they are gonna be the future leaders. So they are the ones teaching. And the orcas, it's the same thing. You know, we show in Patagonia, this, the, the, these families that are trying to teach their calves how to, how to hunt uh, the, the sea lions on the beach. And, <laughs> yeah, and it's a grandmother, you know, teaching the, 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 the grandchild how to do this behavior. And, um, you know, where there are orca families where grandmothers are doing the teaching, those orca live five times longer than families that don't have a grandmother. So, I mean, again, we're learning so much about how important these these connections are, these social creatures like us. You know, I think in many ways, uh, Secrets of the Whales is a reminder of our own cultures. And sometimes I know speaking for myself, you know, we, we live busy lives, we forget, but those bonds, uh, reaffirming family bonds and social bonds, are, are so essential to uh, to a healthy, rich life. In the last minute I have with you regarding this wonderful project, Secrets of the Whales, Brian Scary, what is there a takeaway? I mean, sort of, is there, is there something that you've been doing this a long time? You've spent a lot of time in the ocean exploring these, these beautiful creatures. Is there a takeaway that you learned in doing this particular project? Did you give you a worldview of these magnificent mammals, what what it what is what can you can you tell our audience? There is, Mike. You know, it's a really important question, and and I would frame it this way: that you know, in the arc of my career, almost over four four decades uh, exploring the world's oceans, trying to tell stories about the animals that live there and the ecosystems, I, I've come to the realization that the ocean is dying a death of a thousand cuts, and you know, we've lost half the world's coral reefs. We've taken ninety percent of the big fish out of the ocean. We kill 100 million sharks every year. We're dumping 18 billion pounds of plastic into the ocean every single year. The ocean uh, is uh, the greatest carbon sink on earth. It takes in more carbon. It gives us back oxygen. Every other breath that a human being takes comes from the ocean. So it is in our best interest to explore and to protect this water planet that we live on. Whales are this great ambassador for the whales. We love whales. There's a billion dollar industry around the world. People go on boats to see whales. But what we're trying to do, the takeaway 
I hope, is that if audiences can see the ocean and ultimately our planet through the lens of culture, through the lens of these complex families who are not so different than, uh, than our own, you can't unknow that that, that, that that changes perhaps our perception and our connection to the natural world. And maybe as a result, without being overtly a conservation story, it can pay that dividend that we will care more about the world and our connection to it. We are no longer above or apart from nature, but we are intimately connected to it. Thank you. Thank you for that. And the idea of us actively killing these sentient beings and is, is unbelievable. And, and even more so after you watch Secrets of the Whales. Again, it's on Disney Plus. You can see this starting on April 22nd, Earth Day. And uh, I, I'm so grateful that you were able to find some time to join us today. Truly my pleasure. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you. Again, the film Secrets of the Whales, we've been talking to the producer, as well as our guide through these four wonderful films, Brian Scary. Brian, thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.